Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to have Dr. Henson, who's a radiation oncology attending. So thanks so much for joining us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So where are you an attending physician and what is your position? Yeah, I am an attending at the University of Oklahoma in the Radonc department and I am the program director for the residency. And one cool thing that I learned about you is that you went to University of Oklahoma for undergrad, med school, and residency. So you did. I'm a lifer. (laughs) Yeah. So we'd like to start our podcast with some rapid fire questions to learn more about you and your path through medical school to radiation oncology. Were you AOA? I was not. I had a super high achieving med school class, um, and that was a bit of a gut punch. And I think. I think that's probably the case for a lot of us that don't get AOA in med school because um, that's often probably our first time to not get something, you know? Definitely. Um, And uh, so, but you know what? I got over it and I was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Were you gold humanism? No. And do you have any funny interview stories or deficiencies in your own residency application that you'd like to share? Yeah, as far as deficiencies in my application, um, radiation oncology has historically been pretty research heavy, and I only had two research projects at the time that I applied, and I think the average at the time was like eight to ten projects slash publications, so I felt very deficient there, Um, and as far as a funny story, I did an away rotation and asked one of the attendings um, at the place where I did the away rotation to read over my personal statement for me and give me feedback. And she basically told me that it was like unsalvageably bad. (laughs) Um, So that was pretty embarrassing. Well, it is amazing how many different opinions there are out there. So it also makes us recognize that one opinion opinion may not be the answer um, and uh, you can receive feedback from lots of people. Yes. So in radiation oncology, there are so many specific specialties. And I'm curious when applicants are looking for a program, if there's aspects that they should consider when figuring out where to apply. Yeah, um, that's it. It's a great question and it's a hard one to answer because it's it, you know, it's such a big decision and there's so many factors that go into it. But I feel like um, the advice I give to people is to try as best they can to get a feel for how people at an institution get along. Um, so the residents amongst themselves and then also the residents and the attendings together um, and also try to get a sense of work-life balance there. And I know that was kind of hard to get a sense for probably this past year with all the interviews being virtual because a lot of that is stuff that I feel like you sense, um, you know, over the course of a dinner and just watching people interact. Um, But uh, I feel like trying to get a sense for those things is really important. And then, um, well, I guess in selecting where to apply, that's like along the the interview process. And selecting where to apply kind of depends on what's important to you, you know, If um, it's really important to you to live in a certain part of the country, maybe where you have family, um, you know, then selecting in that way, or if you're really interested in a program that has a certain kind of niche type of therapy or research program, um, 
I don't think that's a one size fits all. And then in regards to the application, uh, you know, there are different requirements and one optional piece is step two CK or the complex level two being integrated into the application when you actually apply. And so I'm curious if you recommend having the step two or complex level two done by the time applications are due. For me, um, I don't really care one way or the other when I see that on an application. The only advice that I was, would give is that if someone is, is unsatisfied with their step one score, that, you know, hunkering down and, and really preparing for step two and taking that in hopes of kind of bolstering your application could be a good move. Um, but if your step one score is kind of in the range that you want it, um, I don't know that most program directors really care whether you've taken step two. That's really helpful. And then when figuring out how many programs to apply to, a lot of people get really nervous and tend to over apply. So I'm curious how many programs you would recommend that applicants to radiation oncology apply to? Uh, you know, when I went through, I applied to about half of the total programs. And I think at the time, the odds were that if you interviewed at nine places, there would be like a 95% chance that you would match. Um, I think it's a little bit different at the present moment. Um, I don't know that people need to like pan apply like that. Um, but I, I feel like 40 is a good ballpark number. Um, you know, with no one really knows how many programs are going to be offering virtual options and going forward, but that obviously makes things um, more feasible when it comes to cost you know, and things like that. So um, I think approximately 40, if I had to pick a number. That sounds like a good number and really allows you to recognize to pick programs that fit your interests, whether that be regionally or whether that be related to certain specializations within radiation oncology, rather than mass applying to every single program available in the specialty. Right. So some people may not have a home program for radiation oncology, and they may wonder how to obtain letters of recommendation. And so I'm wondering if they should consider obtaining those letters from other fields like medicine or radiology, or where they should look in order to get those connections in radiation oncology that might not be available right where they go to medical school. Sure, absolutely. Um, so firstly, I don't, I don't personally feel that it matters if letters are from radiation oncologist or not. Um, if you do have a home program and you don't have any letters from anybody in that program, that could be a little bit of a red flag. Um, but if you don't have a home program and your letters are from, you know, attendings in other fields, that is perfectly fine. The most important thing is that the person you asked to do your letters is someone that you, um, you know, feel like, uh, obviously we'll say good things about you, but, but someone that you've worked closely with and who knows you and can um, kind of convey, hopefully authentically, their positive feelings about you. And so that it doesn't have to be a radiation oncologist and you can, you know, um, demonstrate your interest in radiation oncology and other portions of your application. And one way for someone who doesn't have a home institution might be to complete an away rotation. And so I'm wondering if you advise all radiation oncology applicants to complete an away rotation. I don't think that everybody needs 
too. I think it is definitely important if you don't have a home program, um, you know, you need to get somewhere where you can get some uh, prolonged experience in a route out department um, and then hopefully get a letter from someone at the place where you do your away rotation. Um, I think the most important advice when it comes to an away rotation is show up ready to work um, because I do feel like it's a lot easier to make a bad impression than a good impression. And if you just show up prepared to be on a one month vacation, that's not going to be a good look for you. So, but if you don't have a home program or if you feel like your application maybe is a little bit weak and you're wanting to maybe give yourself a leg up with a certain program, um, or if you just really want to match at a certain institution, um, it, I think it's good advice to do an away rotation if, if able. And in medical school, sometimes we don't have much exposure to radiation oncology. And so I'm wondering if there are like any resources you would advise someone look into before going to an away rotation or before starting their sub I at their own medical school to best prepare. Yeah, I think over the last couple of years, a lot of amazing online resources have become available. Um, so Rover 2 is a lecture series for, or Rover is a lecture series for medical students interested in RADONC, and then Rover 2 is for residents. But um, I definitely recommend that. Um, what else? A lot of programs have offered virtual rotations in the past year and they're not always like a full month away rotation they can be more flexible um so you know doing something like that if those things are offered um and then just shadowing you know if you if you do have a rat on department locally just spending a day here and there shadowing and just getting to know people getting to know the field because you're right uh, i think a lot of people graduate med school and and don't know what the field is at all and in regards to the application process, a lot of people become really stressed when they think about writing a personal statement. And I'm wondering if you have any tips for writing a personal statement since you read so many within radiation oncology. Yeah, um, they are super hard to write, um, especially if you don't necessarily feel like you have a great story to tell um, or something very touching. Um, if you do have a great story to tell or something very something very touching um, that relates to why you went into the field, um, then absolutely those um, stories are, are perfect for the personal statement. It can also be a good place to touch on any sort of extenuating circumstance that you feel like might have impacted your application or your scores. Um, you know, if you had a big life event happen during medical school, um, perfectly fine to talk about that. Um, what I look for in a per personal statement is um, a sense of like authenticity um, and the applicant conveying why they're passionate about the field. Um, and it's, you know, it's not going to sound trite um, if, if you mean what you're saying. So I, I think, um, I, or I like to think that I can kind of pick up on when something is just canned and someone's saying what they think they should say versus saying something that they actually mean, but con conveying a true passion for, for the field um, is the bottom line. 
in conveying a passion for the field, and it can be shown through the application. But some people are really interested in a specific program, and doing an away rotation can be an opportunity to show that you want to be in a certain region of the country or in a certain place. But are there any other opportunities that you would recommend for somebody who really wants to be somewhere but maybe is unable to do an away rotation there since they only have one this year? I think in that case, reach out, um, email the program director um, and the program coordinator potentially, um, and just express your interest. Say, why are you interested? so interested in that program? And ask if there are any sort of opportunities that can be done virtually, even if it's just, you know, participating in their didactics for a week and hopping onto chart rounds, um, you know, or having a chance to chat with the residents. Um, I think there's a lot of ways, especially now post-COVID, that everyone's so much more comfortable with things like Zoom, and a lot of things are happening on platforms like that, that it's a lot easier to get someone experience, even if they're not able to come in person. So I would definitely encourage things like that. I would, I would um, love to, to hear from people who are interested in, in something like that if they're not able to do an away rotation. And if someone is lucky enough to get an interview at a specific institution and they're really nervous about the interview itself, how would you recommend they best prepare? Uh, yeah, well, it's normal to be nervous and interviews are very stressful. I would say um, know your CV well that you've submitted and, and be prepared to talk about your research, be prepared to talk about your personal statement. So if you, you know, if your main research project is something that you finished a year ago, you might want to kind of brush up on on it and be be ready to talk about it. Um, and wear something that makes you comfortable. That sounds like dumb advice, but I, I would not wear heels to an interview because um, you're probably going to be walking around on a tour. Um, do what's going to make you feel comfortable that day. Um, you know, I guess that doesn't apply if it's online, but. But in reality, when you're thinking about whether it be an away rotation or whether it be an in-person interview, if those do occur in the future, comfort leads to confidence. And so I think when you discuss just the, the simple technique of wearing flats instead of heels, if you're you know, looking at your course of your day, it can make a huge difference in the way that you look and then the way that you yeah. talk, because uh, you're definitely more comfortable. Absolutely. And it, I, it sounds dumb, but if you know, if you wear your hair down, you're going to be worried about it being frizzy or you're going to be playing with it the whole time, just wear your hair up, you know, just anything that's going to make your life easier that day. Um, that's my advice. Bring snacks. If you're someone who gets hungry a lot, you don't know if there's going to be snacks around all the time. So have some water, have a snack, you know, if you need to take a bathroom break, ask to take a bathroom break. You don't need to be nervous about something like that. And one thing that we know about this entire process is that program directors are not only heavily involved, but they also get lots of emails. And so one thing people always wonder about are thank you notes, because we know that it's always important to thank an interviewer for their time, whether they're a resident, a faculty member, or the program director. So what is your take on thank you notes? And should we be expecting a reply? Um, so I think that Thank everyone at the end of the interview day um, 
or whenever your interview with them is wrapping up, a heartfelt thank you. Um, thank you notes, in my opinion, are definitely not a must. I'm definitely not going to reply to them. Um, I think that I don't think anyone needs to be mask sending thank you notes. And, and again, we can kind of tell when it is like a one-liner where like the institution name has been switched out. But if it's one of these situations where you are really interested in a certain program, um, maybe you are not from there and haven't been to med school in the region and on paper it might look like, why would this person be interested in coming to this part of the country? But you really want, want to move there for a certain reason, maybe you have family. Um, it, it never hurts to kind of emphasize in a genuine way, like a very extra strong interest in a certain place. But I would say that thank you notes should be more the exception than the rule. Um, and also just keep in mind that program coordinators and program directors talk and we're gonna know if, if you're, someone's sending thank you notes to everybody, you know, or if someone does something rude somewhere, probably everybody will find out. Yes, especially in a small field like radiation oncology, mm -hmm. the importance of being nice is always key. But yeah. when you have a field in which you could be, you know, under them as a resident or even their colleague in their future, it's really important to, to be nice and respectful of the program coordinator, the program director, and then all other people that are applying on the residency trail. Absolutely. So you've provided us so many great guidance, so much great guidance in regards to the radiation oncology interview and application process. And is there anything else that you'd like to offer about this entire journey? Oh, um, I mean, I remember it well. I remember how stressful it is. Um, I would say just kind of trust in the process, be kind to everybody, including yourself. Um, know that there will be hiccups along the way and that's okay. Um, and just, you know, try to take it as it comes. <laughs> well, you've shown us that, that this is a process in which we should not only have fun, um, but we should also prepare for. So Dr. Henson, are there any other things that you'd like to share about you? Because we happen to like to learn a fun fact about all of the interviewees when they come I thought on. a lot about my fun fact because I'm probably just a pretty boring person. Um, but my, my fun fact, which my husband told me I should share, is that I took an online twerking class during COVID and I loved it. And no one will ever get to see it except for my poor family. Well, that sounds like a great residency wellness activity. I highly recommend, honestly. Well, that's all the time we have today with Dr. Henson. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome leader in medical education.